0: what is up divers welcome in to the deep dive fantasy football podcast where i take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles i'm your host brandon gabor and before we get started remember you can follow me on twitter at deep ff instagram at deep dive fantasy football and as always check out the website deep which is always popping during the off season with that being said let's get to the content What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today we're going over my team, so I'm very excited to do so. The Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Lightning just went back to back. Does that mean Tampa, my Bucs, might go back to back? I sure hope so. But with that said, let's get into the podcast. Real quick, though, I got to let you guys know that I added something new to my draft sheets. Hope you guys go check that out. It's strength of schedule. I'm using Fantasy Pros' Strength of Schedule, and I broke it down, made it easy to, to notice who has a good schedule, who doesn't, by color coding it in the draft sheets. So if you go in there now, right next to the Risk and Potential column, you will see SOS, and there will be either green, yellow, orange, red, or a super, super dark red. You pretty much wanna stay away if you see that and uh, luckily the Bucks don't have that color but just know that you got that there also in your tool belt now for the free draft sheets it helps you make tier-based decisions right if you're trying to decide between two guys in the same tier and you don't know which one grab the guy with the easier schedule so with that said let's get into it Tampa Bay Buccaneers let's talk about the personnel changes absolutely zero baby same team and we're running it back Except we got OJ Howard back. So it is the same team and we didn't have any personnel changes, but we still got a little bit better because OJ Howard, I think will help the offense even a little bit. It's still an upgrade. So let's look at what PFF, since there's no personnel changes, let's look at what PFF ranks the position groups for my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Third ranked defensive line. Nice. Love it. Third ranked linebacking core. Nice. Love it. Eighth ranked secondary sick top 10 in every single category on the defense every single category then we also have the fifth ranked offensive line you really you can't complain as a bucks fan i got to say no complaints here so let's look at some trends and some history we passed the ball <clears throat> 63% of the time last year now obviously that means we ran the ball 37% of the time i think that might come down a little bit brady he passed two and a half times less per game in the playoffs. The Bucks likely want to run it a bit more this year than they did last year, so I'm going to set that split as 61% pass, 39% run. Expect a similar total plays per game. Our defense is still going to be really good. Our offense is going to be still really good. There's not any big personnel changes as we've mentioned, so I'm kind of just rolling with the total plays from last year, except obviously extending it for a 17th game. So that would be 1,057 total plays with a 61% pass rate. That's 643 passes, 414 runs. So when we look at Tom Brady, we have to realize something. And I'm going to talk about Tom Brady, and he's done a lot of great things, obviously. But for fantasy purposes, which is the purpose of this podcast, he's not somebody I'm drafting. And I'm not drafting Tom Brady because he's being drafted currently inside the top 10 quarterbacks. He will absolutely finish inside the top 10 quarterbacks, but he does not have the potential that he needs with rushing upside to be able to be a top three quarterback or top five quarterback. Well, Brandon, what about Drew Brees back in the day and Andrew Luck, well actually he ran a little bit, but Drew Brees back in the day and Tom Brady back in the day when they were top five quarterbacks all the time. Well, the key in that is back in the day because nowadays there are so many quarterbacks that run the ball for at least 300, 400 yards and three, four, five touchdowns. A lot of them do that. And that's kind of becoming something that you need. It's a necessity to be a top three quarterback. The only person to not have that was Patrick Mahomes. And he threw 55 touchdown passes, broke 5,000 yards, set a whole bunch of records. And he still ran for like 300 yards and maybe like two or three touchdowns. So he was still pretty close to that bar. Brady's not going to get there, and I'm not going to draft a quarterback basically to finish where I'm drafting him if he doesn't have potential to be better than that. So that's why I'm not going to be drafting him. But Tom Brady, let's talk about his projection. I got him for 28 runs, 10 yards, two touchdowns. He's got those goal line quarterback sneaks in the bag every single year. Now off the 643 passes, he should be better than he was last year, and let me explain why. The back half of last year... If you're going to carry that over, it was significantly better. Sometimes we want to overcomplicate things, right? We want to say, it can't be that simple. You can't just take the latter half of last year and say, Hey, that's how it's going to be for the whole season this year. Well, nothing has changed on this team and what they did last year worked. So why would they make any significant changes? They wouldn't, in my opinion, I wouldn't. So obviously I'm not talking about super fine detail changes, but changes that are really going to affect projections. So If you look at the second half of the year last year, Tom Brady had 12.4 yards per completion. He was at 10.7 before that, so that's a huge increase, and it's going to be because of a few things. One thing, and I think this is the biggest thing, in fact, most people would say Antonio Brown. That's not what I think. I think the biggest reason is because he started to understand the offense better the second half of the year. Also, he has better chemistry at that point with chris godwin and mike evans and then also antonio brown was added and the reason i say i don't think it was mainly antonio brown is because the first four games that antonio brown joined the bucks him and brady did not look on the same page at all ever like it was to the point where every time he would throw the ball to antonio brown i would be like visibly audibly pissed like i was like what are you doing stop throwing it to antonio brown he doesn't know what he's doing He just got on the team, and every time he threw it to AB, it was nowhere near him because AB ran the wrong route, So, and the timing was off and all that stuff. So really, if anything, the first few weeks AB got here, he hurt Brady's stats. So I don't think that that's the biggest factor. I think the biggest factor is he started to understand the offense better. So if we move off of that second half and put that forward to this season, he's going to be a little bit better in the passing metrics. And it also makes sense because Bruce Arians, his second year with a quarterback, is always way better for that quarterback. It's known that Bruce Arians has somewhat of a difficult system to learn for a quarterback in one year. So, And Brady obviously is the best of the best in terms of the mental game. He's got the intellect, right? So that's why he probably caught on towards the back half of the season and into the playoffs. But with that said, we should expect pretty much the same as the back end of last year. And I'm not worried about Brady's age or anything like that because I saw no diminishing arm strength last year. There was the arm strength was there absolutely in the playoffs it was there. He just think about that and I think this was the the changing play of the season. The Scotty Miller halftime touchdown versus the Packers in the playoffs. He's got arm strength. You ain't got to worry about that. So I'm projecting 65% completion rate, 12.2 yards per completion. Remember, that's actually a little bit less than the 12.4. I'm being a little conservative here. And 6.5 touchdown rate. By the way, when you were comparing the first and second half of last year, all of his metrics were the same except for the yards per completion. That's why the yards per completion is the only thing I mentioned. So let's get into the running backs. And I'm going to kind of do the running backs in the tight ends as a whole when we're talking about them because one, there's enough talent in this offense that they all need to be mentioned and two because it makes it easier because, because I'm not trying to break down each person individually that's like eight nine people that could possibly be fantasy relevant for the Bucks. so we're not going to do that so let's look at the running backs first off it's obviously Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette but also now Giovanni Bernard Leonard Fournette was the playoff star but Ronald Jones was banged up Leonard Fournette in the playoffs averaged 4.7 yards per carry, despite only averaging 3.8 yards per carry over the season, and that's kind of a key here, because over the course of the season, Leonard Fournette, he had a lot of instances of bad vision, but his vision got better, not as good as Ronald Jones, which is kind of weird, uh, because you don't think of Ronald Jones as like a guy with great vision, but for most of the season, Ronald Jones was seeing the holes a lot better than Leonard Fournette was, and you could see it in the stats easily. Because even when you take out the big run rates, which we'll talk about, which is like uh, runs over 15 yards, I believe, Ronald Jones still had more yards per carry significantly than Leonard Fournette. And that's something called true yards per carry. So with that said, let's continue on Leonard Fournette. Not going to compare him to Rojo too much yet. He gave gave us a, a great run in the playoffs. And I think that's what's going to drive him forward in the beginning of the season as the RB1. But it's not going to be to a ridiculous extent. You're not going to draft Leonard Fournette and play him confidently as an RB2 every week. It's not, that's not how it's going to work. It's going to be a flex play and he's going to be all right. But at some point in the season, it's going to flip. Ronald Jones, at some point in the season, he's the better runner. And now that receiving, which by the way, neither of them are very good at. Now that that's out of the realm of possibility for both of these running backs with Giovanni Bernard added, who's by far a better receiver in every way now it's just about who's a better runner pretty much and a better blocker and I wouldn't say Leonard Fournette's so much better of a pass blocker than Ronald Jones so I think the better runner is going to see the field a little bit more it's always going to be close to a 50-50 split but Ronald Jones probably by like week six seven will become the main running back taking the carries so I'm projecting over the course of the season Ronald Jones to have 55% of the carries, right? And that's gonna be working off, if we think of the run rate we talked about and the total plays we've talked about, there's gonna be 386 runs to the running back position after we take out Brady's. So 55% of the carries for Ronald Jones, that's gonna be just about, let's see, that's about 180 carries, just a little bit more than that. So I think both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette will be flexible, but because Giovanni Bernard is taking away that receiving, I'm not really excited to draft any of these running backs, to be honest. Now, if you're in a super, super deep league, and it's PPR, and I'm talking like extra deep, then Giovanni Bernard is going to be somebody you can get super cheap, and you can play him for seven points a game, because he's going to be a miniature version of what James White was in New England. And I say miniature, because he's not going to get as many carries as James White did, plus he's not going to get as many targets, because in New England, there was no Mike Evans, Robert Gronkowski... I'm saying as a whole, obviously Gronk was there, but Mike Evans, Gronk, Godwin, AB, OJ Howard, they didn't have nearly as many weapons, so that's why James White did get targeted so much. So it's not going to be to that extent, but I do think he'll be a a consistent floor play that will be okay for you in terms of Giovanni Bernard. So now let's compare, actually get into it and compare Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette because a lot of you guys might be saying, hey why leonard fournette is better i know a lot of people hate ronald jones a lot of people are going to say leonard fournette is better he's not he's really not the only reason people think he's better is because of his draft pedigree that is the only reason and because of what he did in college but honestly ronald jones was really good in college too he just didn't get the same type of volume but let's compare them so true yards per carry that's taking out the big runs like we talked about ronald jones was ninth in the league among all running backs for true yards per carry Leonard Fournette, obviously in the same situation behind the same offensive line, was 65th. We've got Rojo at 9th and Leonard Fournette at 65th. And that is a regardless of context because they're both on the same team. Now, let's go to big run, or the big run rate. Who breaks off more big runs, right? Ronald Jones was 12th. Leonard Fournette was 38th. Let's talk about evaded, evaded tackles. Ronald Jones was 20th. Leonard Fournette was 50th. And let's even go with juke rate. Ronald Jones was 30th in juke rate. He juked people, made him miss a lot more often than Leonard Fournette, who was 53rd. It's clear to me that Ronald Jones, both by my eyes and my scouting and my opinion, and the statistical like metrics, that Ronald Jones is clearly better. So that's why I would rather have Ronald Jones over Leonard Fournette. He's also actually being drafted a tiny bit later than Leonard Fournette. Just understand that Fournette is probably going to get more carries to start the season because he earned it because he helped us out a lot in the playoffs. So, and also, just real quick for Giovanni Bernard, I'm expecting a 10% target share. Last year, the running backs for the Bucks got 19% of the targets. I'm bumping that down to 16% because O.J. Howard is back and we're going to have Antonio Brown all season. So with more weapons on the outsides, I think it's less likely that he, he as in Brady, throws to the running back as often. So that's why I put it down to 16% and I'm giving 10% to Geo, splitting it 3% each for Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. I'm also splitting the touchdowns for Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette at 7 apiece. Now let's get into the receivers and the receivers I will do one by one, but it's not going to be anything crazy because it's kind of the same as last year. Mike Evans, last year with Antonio Brown on the field, got 20% of the targets. I'm projecting 19% this year. I'm projecting similar efficiency and he's the one that I want the most if ADP was the same for all three Bucks running backs. I would want Mike Evans, or I mean wide receivers. I would want Mike Evans because Mike Evans has a clearly defined role. When they get to the red zone, Mike Evans is the dude. Mike Evans, a lot of people like to talk crap about, hey, he had a whole bunch of games that were one catch, one yard, one touchdown, or just one catch, one touchdown. Like, that's not the dude I want. That's not going to happen again. Well, that was all in the beginning of the season. Once the chemistry got better between mike evans and tom brady as the season went on that was not the case anymore mike evans was a lot more consistent and his role is clearly defined and what i mean by that is he's the 50 50 ball go get it type of guy that will always get his targets especially near the red zone and he has the biggest potential for touchdowns chris godwin antonio brown they'll get plenty of touchdowns too and is it possible they have more touchdowns than evans yeah but it's not nearly as likely and Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin are both supreme route runners, and they both work similar areas of the field. So Antonio Brown being healthy all season, if anything, is going to eat more into Chris Godwin, in my opinion, than it will into Mike Evans. So that's why I would rather have Mike Evans. Now, if we talk about value, Antonio Brown is being drafted way later than Evans and Godwin, so I'm completely fine with not getting either of the Bucs' main two receivers and just taking AB later and taking a different receiver or a different position in the area of the draft that Mike Evans is currently going. So, that's kind of what I got on Evans, and then we'll move into Godwin more specifically now. With Antonio Brown and a ruined finger, remember, Chris Godwin, it's easy to forget because he played through it for the most part. Chris Godwin broke his finger and was wearing a splint last year. With Antonio Brown on the field and that splinted finger, he got 17.5% of the targets. So, that could be part of the reason he had that abnormal part of the season where he was just dropping balls last year. He's not somebody that drops balls. He's actually one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL, and he was heralded as a sleeper and a breakout candidate early in his career because of how good he is at catching the ball So and, and running routes. But with that said, I'm going to up his catch rate from 17.5% to 18% because his finger would be better. I'm sure there was a few plays after he started, with the drop problem towards the end of the season and in the playoffs that Brady said I'm not going to look towards Godwin or I'm going to look at him for a little bit less amount of time and move to my next read quicker because he was dropping balls so he probably lost out on a couple targets in that way that's why I'm upping the catch rate or I mean upping the uh the target share and I'm also upping the catch rate because like we talked about his finger was messed up he should be good to go now Antonio Brown He got almost 19% of the targets towards the end of the season. He's probably the number three this year. I'm going to project 17% because we've added a better receiving running back and O.J. Howard is back, and I just don't see him out-targeting Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. I really don't. Also, Antonio Brown's like 33 now this year or something ridiculous. I didn't even realize how old he was until a couple days ago, but you know, I'm not worried about the age. Obviously, I just said I would rather take Antonio Brown according to ADP right now than any of the other receivers. But I do think he's the clear number three. And I'm projecting 17% target share. Part of the reason why, too, you may be wondering, is Antonio Brown was not a priority this offseason. We did not re-sign Antonio Brown right away. We signed him to a one-year deal, and it took a while to make that decision. So to me, it shows, hey, he's probably not going to be one of the key components, one of the one or two targets in the offense. Now let's talk about the tight ends. And I'll just preface this by saying, Look, if you're not in a two tight end league, you could skip this part because you should not be drafting either of these tight ends. But Brandon, Gronk was great last year. Well, don't forget OJ Howard is back. And I actually had a theory last year, and some of you guys probably remember this. And we didn't get to see it come to fruition because of the injury, but I think it was kind of the reason why it took such a long time for Gronk to break out. And the theory, which I'm going with again, was that Gronk, is somebody that we want for the postseason he's somebody that brady wants to be healthy good to go and ready to make some splash plays well we know he's been dealing with a bunch of injury problems throughout his career so why are we going to put on a team with so many weapons why are we going to put all of this pressure on gronk or all of this extra workload on Gronk during the regular season the bucks are pretty much guaranteed making the playoffs Gronk, having Gronk or not having Gronk is not going to be the difference between the Bucks making the playoffs. So I think that the plan is, especially with OJ Howard in a contract year, they need to figure out if they're going to resign him or not. So they need to see him perform. I think OJ Howard is going to be the tight end one. And I think once it gets to crunch time, right? Like if we're four weeks away from the end of the season and we're fighting for that number one seed and we've got some tough games, okay, Gronk will be in, and Gronk's probably the better play at that point. But And in the playoffs, Gronk will probably outproduce O.J. Howard. But during the course of the regular season, I think O.J. Howard will probably be the tight end one. Let Gronk block, help the offensive line, and let him stay healthy and keep him for the postseason. And I I think that's honestly what they were going to do last year until O.J. Howard got hurt. That's why Gronk was not getting started or played and was not serviceable for the first few weeks of the season last year. And he had his first touchdown, I think it was uh, week five, like week five or six. Whenever the Green Bay game was, I think that was the, the game he got his first touchdown. So with that said, if you have to pick one, for some reason, you're in a two tight end league or something, then I would take OJ Howard over Gronk because we're talking about regular season here, not playoffs, right? So that's why I would take. Plus, he's also worth a stash, OJ Howard, in Dynasty Leagues. I'm splitting the targets. It was 22%. Last year to the tight ends, I'm dropping it to 21%, and I'm splitting it 10% to OJ Howard, 7% to Gronk, and 4% to Cameron Brait. So like I said, not enough for any of them to be really drafted in regular standard leagues. So what are the actual projections? Let's get into it. Tom Brady I have at 643 pass attempts, 418 completions, 5,099 yards, and 41 touchdowns. That's one touchdown more than last year. I have him at 28 rushes for 10 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So 43 touchdowns total for Tom Brady, 5,000 yards. Mike Evans, we'll go through all three receivers together. Mike Evans, 122 targets. Chris Godwin, 116. Antonio Brown, 109. Mike Evans, 78 receptions for 1,220 yards and 10 touchdowns. That puts him at 15.3 points per game. He's right between Terry McLaurin and Tyler Lockett in terms of points per game. Chris Godwin, 84 receptions. He's a little bit more efficient than Mike Evans at the catch rate, right? So less targets, more receptions. 1,141 yards, so pretty close in yardage, and eight touchdowns, two touchdowns less. That puts him at 14.5 points per game, right between Chase Claypool and Jamar Chase. Then Antonio Brown, 81 receptions. He's also pretty efficient at the catch rate. 963 yards. He's got a low yards per catch and seven touchdowns. So he's pretty much right in that area, too. He's at 12.8 points per game. He's right between Adam Thielen and Will Fuller. And then the tight ends are the lowest-ranking tight ends I've done so far. O.J. Howard I have at 64 targets. Gronk at 45. O.J. Howard for 38 receptions. Gronk for 26. O.J. Howard for 500 yards. Gronk for 300. And five touchdowns to O.J., four to Gronk. And now we'll talk about the running backs. Ronald Jones I have at 9.1 points per game. 41 targets, 26 receptions. Oh, sorry. Take that back. 19 targets, 14 receptions, 85 yards, 187 carries, 898 rushing yards, and seven touchdowns. So seven touchdowns total and just about a thousand yards total. Leonard Fournette at the same pretty much receiving, 19 targets, 14 receptions, 94 yards, 154 carries, 662 yards, and seven touchdowns. So about 800 total yards for Fournette, so we got a 200-yard difference for Ronald Jones. Same amount of touchdowns. Giovanni Bernardo have it 68 targets, 54 receptions. So see, that's why he's going to be a consistent guy for you. 54 receptions. That is... Oh, man, I put myself in a pickle. What's the math on that? 54 receptions in 17 games. That's like... <laughs> that's like, uh, what, four a game? 440, 28, 68. It's close. It's like three and a half per game. 437 yards for Giovanni Bernard and two receiving touchdowns. And then 185 rushing yards. So about 600 yards for Giovanni Bernard, but those receptions are going to keep him relevant. Now, with that said, that's uh that's pretty much what I got. Brady, by the way, for points per game was at 22.3 right between Stafford and Herbert. Overall, I think the Bucks wide receivers they're going to be slightly slightly worse on a points per game basis last year or I mean this year than they were last year but that's because they're all going to be playing together the entire season now and yeah thanks for tuning in thanks for listening to my projections on the bucks be sure to check out the free draft sheets please do like i said free so why not even click it check it out and like i said you can you could change it, you know. You don't have to follow my projections. You can move people around. You can keep my projections there and still move people around in your desired order, or you can physically go change the projections yourself. So check out the free draft sheets. Drop a rating, drop a review, please. It helps me immensely. I've had a couple come in. Thank you guys. I know you know a lot of you guys have already either left me a review or you're on Spotify and you can't get a review in. But if you can, if you have an Apple phone or or you know, a family member does or something, you could drop a review for me. That's much appreciated. It keeps me motivated, keeps me working hard on these projections. And we're almost done with the projections. I mean, we got like 10, 10 teams left, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do the, the five teams that have huge quarterback questions, like make podcasts and do projections for them. Those teams right now are Houston, um, Houston, New Orleans, the 49ers, the Broncos and the Packers. I'll probably do the Broncos and the Packers, but I don't know if I'm going to project the other three. I'm still going to rank them. They'll still be in the draft sheets. I just won't. I'll have the projections blank until I find enough information, like probably during the preseason to project those teams. So we might finish the projections a little bit earlier because I'll be missing three teams and then we can get into the rankings, right? For redraft, I'll do sleepers. I'll do busts. I'll do hot takes. I'll do all that stuff. And I know it's like mainstream stuff, but It's mainstream for a reason. Everybody seems to like it. So that's what we'll be doing after these projections. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good one. Peace.